one of us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Everyone. Welcome to Step Right with Lynn, a radio show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. It's a beautiful day in southwestern Ontario today. We have um, a lot of sun. It's driving to work today. Uh, sunny and beautiful. I could imagine that it was warmer out there. Uh, it's still minus 12, but bright and sunny. Um, today, uh, please share your comments and questions, um, and you can receive a copy of Have You Filled a Bucket Today uh, by Carol McLeod. This is a guide to daily happiness for children. You can join us by telephone, 613-800-8736 in Canada. That's 613-800-8736. In the U.S., that number is 815-880-8255. You can also join us by live chat by going to the A10 website and clicking on the chat in the main menu. That's A number 2ZEN. Type your name or, or, uh, or a nickname and click on the login. So feel free to call in with information about any fundraisers that you might be involved in as well that you'd like to tell people about. Uh, today I'm going to invite you to join us and complete the following statement. Um, if giving and gratitude are part of my everyday life, then every single day, then, and tell us how you would fill that in. Um, and I'll also send you that uh, bucket-filling book for completing that as well. So that's... Um, uh, on the website, A to Zen website, or um, email me at lynn at stepright.ca. And so if you're not listening live, um, you can also email me at lynn at stepright.ca and fill that in to receive the, uh, the, bu- the bucket book for a children, uh, for some child in your life that you think would enjoy that. Our guest today is Cheryl Perry. Um, Sherry was a small business owner and bookkeeper until 2003 when her son Adam was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Uh, Within months following his diagnosis, Adam passed away peacefully with his family by his side. In 2007, Cheryl would pursue a new career by honoring her son's wishes and sharing Adam's story with young men in her region of Waterloo, Ontario. By late 2007, Cheryl would open Testicular Cancer Canada, TCC, and it would become an official registered charity. Since then, TCC has grown to a national level nonprofit across Canada. Cheryl takes pride as the executive director and founder of Testicular Cancer Canada and as the leading source of support, education, and awareness on behalf of young men affected by testicular cancer. Cheryl, welcome to the show. How are things in KW today? A little cold, but apparently they're warming up tomorrow. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Cheryl, I can remember when I I met you. It was shortly um, before the one-year anniversary of the day that you lost um, Adam to testicular cancer. I was looking at our dates. That means that I've known you 10 years now or more. 
Um, and I remember at that time uh, when I first met you, wondering how someone deals with, um, you know, how you were dealt with the, the death of your son. And um, even at that time, you were able to tell me about Adam and what he was like. Um, could you sh- share a little bit about what carried you through um, that period of time? You know, Lynn, i got to say it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, I, at times, didn't think I was going to get through it. Uh, faith was, was big for me, um, believing that things happened for a reason and then trying to do something better with that. Um, it was extremely, extremely dark time for myself and, of course, my family. Um, we didn't uh, expect Adam to pass away. He was. We were told that he would have a full recovery because testicular cancer is one of the most curable cancers. So when Adam did die... Um, it was it was shocking for us. Mm-hmm. It uh, it was it was very hard. I, I don't even know how to describe it. it. It's one of them things you just you can't you, you can't ever prepare anyone for to lose a child. Um, no. Watch them suffer that sort of stuff. It's it's just it's beyond heartbreaking. Um, I remember my heart actually hurting and and thinking you know this is what a broken heart feels like and Adam's been gone 10 years and when I talk about him I can still actually feel that crushing pain in my chest I guess kind of suffocating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now you've got another son as well um, I do were the two of you able to help each other through that time or or was it a very solitary journey absolutely solitary um, I, I couldn't be there for Brad I, I could barely some days get out of bed probably for the first year um, he, thank God he had a, a terrific father who was there for him to be able to help him um, get through that so he had some stability. I, I couldn't deal with my children. Um, I actually have a daughter who was older than Adam. Uh, mm-hmm. She wasn't living at home at the time, but I remember Brett was only 12 going on 13 when his brother passed away, and, and I can remember him, you know, after school I'd come home and I'd just sit and cry and cry and cry and cry, and he would never say anything. He would just sit there I think it it changed him for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to grow up very quickly because he not only lost his brother, he lost his mother for I'm going to say probably two years. Mm-hmm. So, so has it made him a, a more serious person? Um, it he withdrew, but then he became very attached to nature. Nature was where he went to find his peace. So he he started going into the forest a fair bit, looking at birds and um, wildlife. And um, today he's actually very involved in environmental stuff. And it, that's that's how he dealt with it. Was he was solitary as well? Yeah, yeah. I think everybody when you go through that, because we all grieve so differently, um, and we all think grief is is such a selfish place to be and you have to be selfish to get through it because you have to look after you because nobody really knows how you feel and everybody's mm-hmm. grief is so unique and it's in its own way um i can remember people saying to me well you have other children you know mm-hmm. which just darn near devastated me you know because of course i have other children but that doesn't you don't really i'm not going to say you don't care about your other children you just don't have the energy to to think that way at that particular time in your life it, mm-hmm. It's all about your grief. It's all about, you know, how you're going to get through today, how you're going to get through tomorrow, you know, where did he go, um, how, wh- why did this happen to me, uh, you know, I, I didn't do anything bad, why did my son die? Uh, they're all questions I think that all parents go through when their child dies. It's it's a very it's a very lonely place to be. I mean, I, I can remember being crowds of people and feeling so alone. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So tell us about Adam. Sure. Um, Adam was he was a good kid. I mean, he got in trouble like every other child does. Uh, he was very involved in sports. Um, he was extremely healthy. We had no, you know, uh, knowledge of testicular cancer. So when when Adam became sick, of course, it became quite a shock because when your child's healthy their entire life, you, you never think, you know, that's going to happen to you. Right. Um, he was a well-liked child. Um, the, the kids after he passed away used to say, oh, Adam was the one who always kept kind of peace between us. And, and he was a lot like that. He was he was very quiet, but he'd tell you like it is if he didn't agree with something you were doing. Uh, very giving child. And actually quite humorous when we were doing chemotherapy, because he was 18, of course, he was out with his friends all the time. Once he got his driver's license and had a car, it was like, you know, who are you, Mom? <laughs> right? They, have, sure. they get their own mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Um, and when we started to spend every day together when he was in chemotherapy down in Hamilton, it's funny, I, I think back now, and I think, you know, I, w- I was blessed with getting to know my 18-year-old son again because I, I didn't realize how much they grow away from you as they grow up. And mm-hmm. he was very witty. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you describe what it was like to go from those early days of despair after you lost Adam to that clarity about what you had to do in his memory? So I'm asking you how you went from those dark days um, to to founding Testicular Cancer Canada. I think the the biggest thing that stands out in my mind is remembering Adam coming home one night. Um, he was in chemotherapy, but every night, of course, he'd want to go out with his friends and do what his friends were doing. And I was sitting outside on on the step, and he pulled in, and and he said to me, you know, why me, Mom? Like, well, why does this happen to happen to me? Why why not somebody else? And he named a couple friends, and I'd say, Adam, you know, he can't wish that mm-hmm. stuff on other people. But being a child, of course, you know, why me? He just wanted mm-hmm. to be like everybody else. And I remember saying to him, um, I, I wasn't a real religious person, but I always had a belief there was something after. And I said to him, I, I don't know why you, Adam, but I do know something good always comes out of something bad. I just don't know what that good is yet. And mm-hmm. I hung on to that a lot, looking for that good um, that would come out of this horrible, horrible tragedy. And we talked a lot when he was in chemotherapy about, you know, the signs and symptoms and why we didn't know about this disease. And I, and I said to him, when this is all done, you know, we're going to do something about this because kids should know about this. They, they shouldn't mm-hmm. have to go through what he went through. So um, if it's caught in stage one testicular cancer, of course, it's it's you know, they they have their testicle removed and then they go on a surveillance for five to ten years. And I'm not saying that's easy for children, but it's a whole lot easier than, you know, the chemotherapy and RPLND and all the surgeries that go with once that cancer has spread. Mm-hmm. So it was important for both of us. So as as my grief moved into, I guess, acceptance, because I think for the first year to maybe year and a half, you don't really accept the death of your child. You just go through and do what you have to do. And as I learned to accept that he wasn't coming back and this is what was given to me in life and I have a choice, I could do nothing or I could do something. And and I remember standing at Adam's grave and looking at it and saying, you know, something has to be done about this. This is just this is just wrong. It's it's wrong. He shouldn't have died. He shouldn't have had to suffer like this. And I never understood why no one had done this before, you know, why there wasn't mm-hmm. something out there. So I just knew it was the right thing, and it was the right thing for Adam because, 
you know, he, I didn't want him to die in vain and, and not do anything about it. And, um, you know, tell us about um, <clears throat> prior to diagnosis. Now, I don't know how long that was. When, when Adam had, had seen changes in his body that he hadn't told anyone about, um, like how long was that before actually the diagnosis? Um, Adam never told me, but he did tell the doctor, and the doctor told me. He found a lump in his testicle when he was 15, and he didn't know what it was, so he just kind of ignored it. And as um, when the cancer starts to spread, the testicle, of course, will swell, and it'll actually get the size, can get to the size of a baseball, which happened to Adam. And he just thought his testicle was growing. So mm-hmm. when he was uh, about 17 and a half, he started complaining about um, his stomach hurting a lot. And back then, the kids wore very baggy clothes, and Adam Adam was a big boy. He was like six feet tall, 200 pounds, um, and uh, he. we took him to the doctors for his stomach, and they thought it was an ulcer. So it was actually April 22nd, he was finally diagnosed with testicular cancer at the emergency room in Cambridge, and he died seven months after the time of diagnosis. He, w- mm-hmm. he was very far advanced. It had spread upwards and... You know, he lost a kidney and um, lost half his back muscle in his back. So I would say from the from time, about three years, roughly, give or take. You know, when he says 15, I don't know if he was close to 16 or, you know, there's no right. way of knowing. We, we didn't really discuss that, Lynn, only because it, it didn't matter by the time he was diagnosed. It was right. no right. point in scolding him, you know, no, or, or having no. that conversation with him. It was just our drive was let's make him better and that's all mm-hmm. i could think about once he was yeah. diagnosed yeah but um i guess it 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 adds to the confusion though you know that um uh and certainly it's part of your message right because he um uh, because he didn't feel confident to share that right mm-hmm. and he didn't know what it was being the yeah. big thing he thought yeah. it was part of the natural your your testicle swelling the other one's going to catch up because i'm a young man oh, and i'm growing okay. Mm, and and right. we find that a lot in the organization. That happens a lot to young young kids. In fact, most of the deaths from testicular cancer tend to be on the younger boys. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we're going to take a break now, Cheryl, and uh, we're certainly uh, anxious to hear more about the organization after the break. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Len focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. This is 
Separate with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Uh, today, if you ask a question or complete the statement, uh, if giving and gratitude are part of your daily life every single day, then, and fill in the blank um, with the way you would um, finish that statement, and I'll send you a copy of the book, Have You Filled a Bucket Today? Um, I'd also like to remind you that if you're involved in an upcoming fundraising activity, I'd be glad to mention it on the show, or you could call in and tell us about it. Uh, our show today is called Checkem, um, and uh, Cheryl Perry is here. She's been telling us about uh, the devastating loss of her son, Adam, and how that led to the founding of Testicular Cancer Canada. Um, so, Cheryl, tell us uh, a bit about the work of the organization. Sure. Um, Testicular Cancer Canada uh, is a national organization across Canada where we um, do awareness. So we're trying to teach young men to be aware of their body and to say something if if they find anything, any sort of change, not to be afraid to come forward with it. Uh, we also uh, are very big into survivorship, so connecting um patients who are going through testicular testicular cancer or uh, family members like mothers or, you know, wives, whatever it is, the caregivers, and connecting them with other people who have already gone through it so they have that opportunity not to feel so isolated. There's a lot of anxiety that surrounds for these young men while they're going through their treatments. Um, we also actually next a week Monday, or sorry, a week Saturday on April the 5th, we're doing the first testicular cancer symposium in Toronto. Uh, it's the first one ever done in Canada, so it, it's going to have doctors there that are going to explain the treatments and treatment options, and then in the afternoon we're doing a panel discussion with five testicular cancer survivors and uh, one caregiver. Um, and it'll all be taped and put online for future use for people. So the organization's come a, a long way since it first opened. We started with just going into schools in and around the KW area. We did all the schools, so there was 24 schools altogether. We went in and with the public health unit um, and did an assembly where we talked to the kids about testicular cancer, the signs, the symptoms, you know, to be aware of your body, detect any ch change over time, as I said, and... Uh, We've just kind of flown from there. Hmm. Um, I can see on the website that 100% of donations go towards awareness and support. Um, how are you able to achieve that? Um, I do my own fundraising um, for the administration costs. So when we do a golf tournament or something here, we set that money aside for, for our admin. And then anytime somebody donates online, we make sure that their donation goes towards our programs. Okay. Who else is on your team? Uh, I am actually the only one, and then we have volunteers that help out. So we mm -hmm. have a national board across Canada now. Um, there's 10 people on that board, and they do a lot for us. And then we also just started a medical advisory board, which they had their first meeting in January, and they're testicular cancer specialists. So we have oncologists and urologists on that board, mm -hmm. and they, they're right across Canada as well. And they, they help us to decide, you know, what which way we want to go as far as um, information, making sure that everybody has the proper information on our website, making sure that we're the, that patients are getting the proper treatment and and drugs that they need at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So your mission involves getting people talking about two subjects that most people are, or a lot of people, are uncomfortable talking about, and that's um, testicles and cancer. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you find people or respond to your message? Uh, usually, depending on the age group, the younger kids, um, they joke about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they don't know how else to deal with it but to joke about it. And we did a survey actually in schools, and, and they wanted it to be a joke. And they also wanted the females to be part of it, too, to learn as well. A lot of times it's partners that will, that will find the problem in the testicle. So it's important mm-hmm. for both male and female to know that. Uh, as we get into the older crowd, they take it a whole lot more serious. They want direct messaging. Um, you know, this is it, and if you don't do this, this can happen. So they're very, very serious about knowing that. Mm-hmm. So that's been a learning curve as well to to it, just know to just know that the younger group are going to that's the way they need to handle it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're still getting the information, right? They are. They are. And even if they're not, I mean, we've never gone into a school and done an assembly, you know, where you're talking a 1,000 kids, male and female, where we've ever had them even, um, they're, they're dead silence when, when we're doing it. So they do take it seriously, just mm-hmm. they don't, it's, it's the whole cancer word. I mean, when you yeah. think of cancer, people always like to tend to think cancer is an old person's disease, which we all know it's not. Mm-hmm. And when you get into the young the younger age group, you know, the 14, 15, 16, you know, in that age group, it's, it's hard for them to even conceive that they could get cancer. So putting that message across is, is really, really tough sometimes, you know, to make kids responsible for themselves because, I mean, they're, they're just not. They just want to be a kid and be carefree and not have to worry about that stuff. Mm-hmm. So the messaging has to be, we have to be very delicate when they're younger to make sure that it's something they're going to walk away and maybe forget the next day, but remember enough that if they find that lump when they're having a shower and cleaning themselves, that they'll go, oh, I remember that assembly. I better go see someone and make sure that that's, you know, that's an okay thing there. Because a lot of times boys will get little cysts in their testicles. It's not uncommon either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so there's there's a process. I saw something about uh, was it four step process, four steps that that could save your life. Could you tell us about that? Sure. Um, when checking your testicles, they have to they like or sorry they would like you to do it after you have a shower or a bath, and only because it's warm. When testicles are cold, they go up inside, so you can't actually check them properly. Mm-hmm. So. Once once they're lower, then you can, you can do a proper examination, and there is a way to do it. Um, it's a rolling of the fingers on the testicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing they want you to do is is to look at them because you want to make sure there's no deformity if one's you know hanging you know two inches lower or is two inches bigger. And and I'm not necessarily saying it's like that, but if you know your if they know their testicles is what we're trying to teach them, they know what they look like. So when they stand in front of a mirror, if they see anything changing over time they know that something's wrong and that they need to speak to someone about that. Mm-hmm. So um, you've developed huge comfort in in speaking with um, groups of young men about this subject. Um, what what was your growth like in, in that way? How did it start out for you? Was it hard the first time? Uh, the first time I, I had to get up and talk about Adam, and, and that's what we do in schools, I actually, you know, tell these kids that, you know, Adam was just like you. 
he was young, he was healthy, he didn't smoke, uh, he was involved in sports. He had, you know, the the picture-perfect health. So um, when you're telling them that, and I'm talking about kind of his life and what he went through and, you know, how he liked to go to parties and he skipped school just like every other child, um, I would break down a lot and try to maintain my voice, you know, so they didn't know I was crying. And as time goes on, I don't know if you just get used to saying something maybe, but I still can find even when we were, you were introducing me and you were talking about Adam, I could feel that tightness in my chest. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think you ever really get past that. I think that human beings, um, in all honesty, you know, people say time, time heals a whole wound. I don't believe that wound ever heals. I believe mm-hmm. that Humans are creature of habit, and we get used to what we have in our life, and we get used to what's not in our life, and we get used to our child being gone. I don't think we ever fully accept our child's gone. We just right. get used to our child being gone. It's it's just you lose a piece of your heart when your child dies. So mm-hmm. for for growth, uh, you get used to them not, I guess, not mm-hmm. being here, and, and you get used to that they're not going to be here, and and you just accept it that part of it because you don't have a choice um and growing with the organization uh, being able to talk about adam has obviously healed me as well um mm-hmm. because that's all i have left is is to talk about adam i can't introduce him i can't say my son you know is in college or my son's got a is getting married all i have left is adam's story so mm-hmm. it, it does bring comfort in sharing that with the young yeah, boys and- yeah, and and you've found the strength because you've had a mission. You've had you've had the story that you needed to share. Yes. So you've found yes, absolutely. You found the and, and strength too. And get I think it's that. helped my my yeah my children because they've been involved with the organization a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it gives them a little meaning behind their their brother and and to see that you know he just didn't pass away and we all just got up and carried on the next day. Um, because that's that's truly not what happens to people. You, people become very within themselves when they have a major mm-hmm. loss, and and I mean it's 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 hard digging yourself out of that. And mm-hmm. I, I was very lucky and very fortunate in the sense that I was able to do the organization. Not everybody has that. Uh, I find with the organization and dealing with other mothers who have lost their children through this disease, to be able to give back, even if it's for a year to the organization, whether it's doing fundraising or, you know, making sure other kids know about it, it it does give that purpose. It it Mm -hmm. just helps you heal. Mm -hmm. Because you're you're giving Uh, back. You're you're doing something that makes you feel good in memory of that person. Right, right. Um, what plans do you have for the future of uh, Testicular Cancer Canada? Oh, oh boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I guess if I had to look at a five-year plan for the organization, and we're actually just doing a five-year plan right now uh, for the next mm-hmm. five years, our strategic plan, um, I, I would like to see us move forward in, in the patient care area. There, there mm-hmm. seems to be a lot of um, gaps because of the, gener- the, the age of these kids. So they're, they're kind of like, we call them the, the lost generation in the cancer groups because they're too young, um, you know, where you have a four- or five-year-old with leukemia. Um, there's a lot of, you know, stuff for that and for the families. And then as you get older, there's a lot of, of 
stuff available for the older people, but when you get to Sage Group here, there's kind of not a whole lot. There's not the support groups out there for them. There's not the um, financial sourcing for them. And it, it's a lot of money when you have a sick child. I don't know if people realize it, but you you can't afford, like, a lot. Sometimes the drugs are not paid for. People think mm-hmm. they are, but they're not because you're considered an outpatient. So when you go home, I remember with Adam, one drug he had to have was $1,600 for six days. And we never mm-hmm. had a drug a drug plan and you know then he got a blood clot in his lung and that was a $40 shot in the stomach every day all of these things mm-hmm. pile up on families and as we move forward I would really really love to see the organization be able to help families that are going through some of that where we have that money to say hey yeah we can give you that money for the drug or we can help you get that drug so that you know you're not cashing in all your money that you have saved for your future right right and and I suspect because you're, um, you know, it's it's young people. But how how young can can the disease show up? There's been children born with it. Cancer really doesn't have an age, you know, okay. where they're. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, it peaks. It peaks from 15 to 29. So that's when the majority of the kids are getting it. But you know, there's, you know, I spoke to a mother from Ottawa. Her son was 14 when he died from it. You know, and then mm-hmm. you know you have. A uh, woman, you know, out west whose husband was 32. They had two small kids. So there really isn't, like all cancers, it, it can hit whenever, you know. Mm-hmm. It just, like I said, peaks between 15 and 29. Yeah. And and I, I expect the the needs of of the younger children and, and a 19-year-old are not the same as well, right? So, That's right, yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, this is uh, it's been fascinating. We're going to go to a break and uh, we'll hear more about the organization after the break. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Checkem with Cheryl Perry. Uh, this is part of Step Right with Lynn, the radio show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. We'd love to have you join us. I'd love to send you a copy of uh, Have You Filled a Bucket Today as a gift for a special small person in your life. Um, you can join us on live chat at the A to Z a to Zen FM website or uh, or call in 613-800-8736. Uh, 
Um, be sure to send me an email as well and provide your mailing address so we can send you a copy of the bucket filling book. Um, so Cheryl, um, what is coming up in the near future? Are there any fundraisers coming up that um, that people could get involved with? Uh, yes, there are. Um, we have our our Testy Cup, we call it, Golf Tournament in Kitchener. It's held in New Dundee, and it's in, on June 20th. And we have a Test Cup in Ottawa, which is, I believe, July the 6th um, coming up. We also have a Scotia, the Scotiabank Run in downtown Toronto in October. Okay. Um, how else can people help? Donations are great. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a website. We do have a website, and they they can donate online. Or, okay. you know, even if, even if they want to help out at fundraisers, if they send us an email, which they can do directly through our website, which is testiculaircancercanada.ca. Um, we're always looking for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking, you know, for, for people who even want to start their own fundraisers. Good ideas, new ideas are always nice. Okay. Um and so uh, what are the different ways that people can reach you then if they'd be interested in volunteering for your organization? They can call me at 519-894-0134 or just go to our website and there's a place there where you can send an email. Okay. We also have a Facebook page, which is Testicular Cancer Canada is another way to reach us. Okay, and they could follow you there and know what's coming up as well. Yes, they can. Yep, we post everything on there. And we also have a Twitter account, which it's, it's always goes to Twitter from Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, right. So what else um, What else would you like to share with our listeners today, Cheryl? Oh, I think I'd like to share um, a couple, about two years ago, I was thinking about this when we were on break and how people – at times of our lives, we always lose faith and we always wonder, you know, am I doing the right thing? Should I keep doing this? And and when is things going to work out? And it can be such a confusing time for us. And even with the organization, um, two years ago, I was kind of going through that, that little stage where I was like, does anyone listen? Because, you know, everybody's fighting for the do- donor dollars today. It's It's mm-hmm. tough out there. And it's tough for us because of the age group that we're doing as well because the children that are getting it, don't have funds and you know you rely on the parents to donate and and stuff like that and as I was going through this phase I thought you know maybe it's time to close this I've I've done all I can do um I don't even think anyone listens to us <laughs> you know you, you wonder mm-hmm. sometimes because you never hear them stories and I've always been been very very big and I I some people will think it's silly but I talk to Adam every day in my head mm-hmm. and I was going through, you know, Adam, I don't know, maybe this isn't the right thing to do. I can feel the my anxiety just thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I actually should backstep a bit. My, my children's father um, passed away in January, and my youngest son um, actually found and passed away. So we went through another very big turmoil for my kids. Mm-hmm. And so that added to the, geez, you know, what am I doing this for and, and stuff, and so I said to in my head to Adam, I said, you know, sometimes your mom isn't, you know, doesn't listen very well. So you've got to let me know which I don't know which path to take, and I want a direct message. I need something that stands out to me that know that tells me that what I'm doing is right and we're on the right track. And um, 
I got a phone call the next day from a, a young guy who came to our golf tournaments. In fact, he worked with me at one of the bookkeeping jobs I had, and he was an electrician there, and um, he had come to three or four golf tournaments prior to all this. And he called to just, you know, hey, Cheryl, I just want to thank you. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, I was just diagnosed with testicular cancer. And, you know, if not for your golf tournaments and for your son Adam and you telling me about him, I don't know where I'd be. And his wife was six months pregnant at the time. Oh, and yep. and I, I just kind of started crying and said, mm-hmm. thank you, Adam, because I really needed to know that that what we were doing was, was the right thing to do because we all kind of have, have that that little thing in us where we're not sure if we're doing the right thing. And, and I'm big on asking, you know, I ask Adam, I don't know if that's strange to people, but it's something that I've done since the days died. And I've always mm-hmm. found that guidance somehow through asking direct questions in my head. Mm-hmm. So that made me know that what we were doing, that I was right and, and to continue to do it. Yeah. I and think and I that, think. That go ahead. I, well, I think, say, it's I, think Im- I think it's important for people to know that that you still require the strength, right? That you still have to look for the strength to go on um, every day. Yeah, yeah, every day. Yeah, because life gets in the way. I mean, it's it's not like you can heal from one thing, but unfortunately, something else tends to bring us down. Whether it's you know just the weather, whatever it is. Um, and and you always question because that's what we do as humans. <laughs> I mean, we question everything we do. So you you do have to pull from your inner strength for sure, and and you have to find that inner strength, and you have to just you have to do it. And sometimes you have to you have to do stuff. I guess where you're going to get sometimes a little bit of people saying, you know, wow, what are you doing that for? Don't you think it's time? I mean, I get said this a lot. Don't you think it's time you stop doing the organization and let your son rest in peace? Well, my son is mm-hmm. resting in peace, and I don't do this for Adam anymore because. Doing this right from the beginning wasn't bringing back Adam. No, no matter right. what I did, he he was gone and he was not coming back. I did this and started this for my son, but also because I, you know, I just couldn't see another mother and family go through what we went through, or, or even the suffering that Adam went through. There was no need for it if we mm-hmm. can do something. So inner strength is is huge through your, I think yeah. our, our entire lives. Yeah, and I I think that you can be quite an inspiration to some people that maybe know there's something that that they uh have felt they wanted to do but haven't had that strength to go ahead and and uh and do that but um and just to know that it continues right that you you continue to need that strength are there oh, yeah. um are, are there some stories of other individuals um that that you could share with us as well that were diagnosed because of what we do. Well, you know, well yeah, I know there's general. a few stories on the website as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a lot of them. Um, stories, of course. The, the younger ones always seem to hit me, I, I think, really hard because of Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now we have a, a young man who um, he's, he's gone through a lot. He's uh, 17 when he was diagnosed, and his head spread uh, through his entire body, it, it just is not good. And he, he's been done his, I think this is his second or third surgery, and he's done the salvage chemo, and um, he seems to be doing pretty good. He seems to be, you know, and when I hear cases like that, again, it goes back to that inner strength because I, I get angry with myself and think, geez, you know, you, weren't, you should have done something in that area maybe, you know, a year ago or two years ago, and that child wouldn't be 
where they are, but then I think that I've I've learned to accept the fact that that you can do as much as you can and sometimes things are just meant to be the way they're meant to be and you you can intervene in certain things. You know, it's it's just life has to go the way it's meant to be if that makes any sense. Mhm. Um so as far as changes in the way um people you know people deal with things i mean just in conversations um like are you seeing that the people are more open and able to to talk about cancer and to talk about um you know checking your testicles and and you know all of these um uncomfortable conversations are are you finding that we're more open or is there still a big resistance i would say with young men there's still a big resistance um, some are very open to it, but I would say a lot of them not so much. And, again, it goes back to that machismo, you know, wanting to be either young, it's not happening to me, you know, that sort of thing. I think it's a barrier that is going to take a long time to to kind of cross. Kind of our goal is if we can get these kids when they're young to be responsible for their bodies, as mm-hmm. they get older, they're going to be responsible when they get to the prostate age or other issues that that men have, and I mean men are not sometimes always so for want to be forefront about their health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that barrier to cross as well. You know, it's 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 there, there's a lot, but I mean you do make every little progress you make. If if you get one kid to be responsible for their body, then you know that that's great because that's one less mm-hmm. that's not, and and that's how you have to look at it. I I, I always think of Betty Ford with breast cancer you know, 25, 30 years ago, women never talked about their breasts, you know, if they were being removed. It was a big hide and secret type thing. Um, And that's just where we're at, you know, Mm -hmm. and eventually we'll get to that point like breast cancer did where people will go, hey, yeah, you know what? It's okay to talk about your testicles. It's okay to, you know, to to be responsible for my own body. It doesn't make me, you know, not a man. And and that's a big thing that, that I hear a lot from these young boys is, you know, once they have that testicle removed, then they're not a man anymore. They they feel like they've they've lost um, their manhood, you know, because mm-hmm. I think society in general has always put testicles or, you know, it's always like, oh, you know, be a man and, and things like that, that to lose one of them can, can make them feel less of a man. So mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason why we're not talking about it. And we, we'll always say, and I had this conversation actually with, with one young man on the telephone when he was talking about losing his testicle and how he's embarrassed and, you know, stuff like that with it. And I said to him, you know, if you met a young lady who had breast cancer and and had her breast removed, would that change how you feel about that woman? And being a kid, he laughed and Mm -hmm. said, that would depend on how big the one breast was, right? (laughs) (laughs) But again, that's, that's just you know, trying to make them understand that just because they lose that one testicle is is not changing anything about who they are on the inside. And and, and that's a big one because today's society is so big on everything. It's like, you know, be beautiful, be young. You can't be wrinkled. You can't be this. And and part of the body image is, you know, when they lose that testicle, they're, they're, that body image is kind of the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we're teaching body image is not as important as what's inside. You know, we talk about that a lot with young men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the um certainly a great message and a great story that you're um that you're uh, that you're bringing. Um 
we're we're very happy that you've been able to be on the show and and talk to us about that. Uh, we're just leading up to another break now, um, and uh, and then we'll um, we'll sort of look for your last your last thoughts and your last uh, advice after that after that break. Um, I've got something here. Um, we'll okay. We're ready to go for that break, and we'll uh, and we'll come back after. Is there a contribution that you dream of making in society? Planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Again, this is Step Right with Lynn. Our guest is Cheryl Perry, and this show is called Check'em. That's the slogan of uh, Testicular Cancer Canada. Um, just before we ask uh, Cheryl for her last uh, thoughts and last advice to us, um, I'd like to take a couple of minutes to share a message from a, a group that I subscribe to called Philanthropic People. Um, this is involving um, the horrific uh, Syrian conflict. Um, that's that civil struggle that's uh, claimed the lives of 140,000 innocent people uh, and has forced 2 million more to flee. Uh, at the heart of this struggle are the Syrian children that are now referred to as a lost generation because of how much death and hardship they've suffered. Uh, Save the Children, um, one of the world's most prolific charities uh, that focuses on the welfare of children globally, has recently stepped in to remind everyone that just because it is happening here doesn't mean it isn't happening uh, in regarding to the atrocities affecting the safety and well-being of children in Syria. Um, Save the Children says, uh, since the beginning of the conflict, children have been the forgotten victims of Syria's horrific war. Today, over 5 million children are in need of assistance, including over 1 million children who have sought refuge in neighboring countries. These children are at risk of becoming a lost generation and cannot be ignored. Uh, Save the Children has recently uh, created a series of campaigns that feature first-hand accounts from Syrian children and families to raise awareness about those atrocities uh, that are still taking place there every day. You can learn more by going to uh, Save the Children um, and look up uh, Conflict in Syria on that web page. Um, so, Cheryl, we um, 
Are, is there anything you'd have done differently? Um, and what can family members do now to protect their families? Um, I wish I had been more educated myself on disease in general, uh, if I look back on it now. Um, what family members can do is, is, is know, I guess, um, diseases that are that are there for, for our, our children. Um, we don't think of that as parents, I don't think. And why would we if, if everybody's healthy? Um, you know, it's a tough one. I, I think education, educating yourself on what is and isn't out there is, is really important to change. You know, I think about that, and I mean, I know I just answered that differently, but there's nothing I don't, at the time you do the best, I guess, uh, it's a hard one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I think when Adam first passed away, I mean, I was so angry with myself that I, I didn't know about testicular cancer. I had no idea mm-hmm. about it. I didn't even know it existed. I thought it was an old man's disease. I was confusing it with prostate. And I stayed oh, okay. very angry yeah. With, with yeah with myself for a very long time. And as time goes on, and you can think, I guess, a little more logically or a little you forgive yourself or whatever it is we go through. Um, when I look back on it now, I, I, I think... What I would do differently is not beat myself up so hard. Right. I, I, I would I would see that I did the best I could with the tools I had at that time. I, I didn't have the tools I have today. You know, mm-hmm. so if, if people are listening to this program or they see it, you know, maybe get to know a little more about it so that you know how to sit down and talk to your kids. And, and they're not going to be fun to talk with. They're not going to want to hear it. But even mm-hmm. just laying a pamphlet down. You know, and, or just mm-hmm. saying to them, "Hey, you know, you know, just know that stuff about yourself, whether they like it or not." Is is forcing that issue, forcing that discussion with them, because yeah. sometimes it's uncomfortable for parents. It's, it's uncomfortable for us to do that. Like mm-hmm. talk to your boys about that. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. it's what it is yeah. for them to hear you talk about it. But force that issue, and not, and maybe not to be so afraid of you know of that, because we do get afraid of sometimes talking to our kids about issues because we're uncomfortable. Mhm. Mhm. You've accomplished so much. Um that's uh it's wonderful what you have accomplished and um we are absolutely thank you for the work you've done with the with the organization. I'm sure that um you know many people um have been helped through um you know through as as you heard from the young man you talked to um you know just recently um you know you've you've accomplished so much and um you know re- really proud to have known you for the last 10 years Cheryl <laughs> well thank you and you as well <laughs> it's uh um and certainly i think you've you've shared um you know with with people the things that that um they do need to to be looking out for so we're so glad that you've been able to be on the show thank you so much um and we'll uh, maybe talk with you again about what's going on, and certainly uh, we'll look forward to hearing about the fundraisers that are that are coming up. Uh, so in closing, um, I've got a little quote here from Dr. Libby. Uh, do what you love. Write a list of things you love that make your heart sing, and do more of them. More of us, uh, some of us are out of touch with what makes us feel good and things that also serve our health. So write a list of all the things, moments, experiences that you know light you up and bring more of those moments into your life. When you're happy, you're in a much better position to help others, and you will inspire people to do more of what makes them happy as well. Uh, Do more of what lights you up 
and you'll light others up as a result. Um, so, um, I'd, again, uh, thank you to Cheryl for being our guest on Step Right with Lynn and sharing her story. Uh, we wish you great success, Cheryl, in educating Canada about testicular cancer. Thank you. Uh, and at this time, I'd like to remind our listeners uh, to tune in next week to hear Renata Donovan in our show entitled, Is Your Mind Making You Poor? And uh, remember that we welcome your comments at Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater um, community. And um, send me an email at lynn at stepright.ca and fill in the statement, if giving and gratitude are part of your daily life every single day, then, and fill in how you would, um, that you would fill in that statement. Uh, also, comment about the show. Uh, remember, I will send you a, uh, a copy of that book um, the, called um, filling, That Bucket Filling Book, which is uh, great for a child in your life. We'd like to... Uh, we'd like to send that to you. It's a great story um, about uh, building, filling people's happiness buckets, and we would be really pleased to um, to have some of those uh, sent out uh, because it has a great message, and it's part of the message of of this show that it makes us feel good to give to others, and uh, it makes them feel good as well. So. Uh, it's about filling other people's buckets um, and making them feel good. Um, so send me an email. Uh, if giving and gratitude are part of your daily life every single day, then, and uh, complete that in an email to lynn at stepright.ca. That's lynn at stepright.ca, L-Y-N-N, at stepright, S-T-E-P-R-I-G-H-T, and we'll be very pleased to send out some of those books and, and share that message. Uh, so this is Lynn Wedham, and the show is Step Right with Lynn. Until next time, take the right steps to support yourself, your family, and your community. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time. Mm-hmm.